Hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. It is our opening day special. Yes, opening day is a mere hours away now. And we are very excited here at Mets Musings. So uh, strap on your Mets gear and get ready to go because opening day is almost here. And Max Scherzer is going to face Sandy Alcantara, the NL Cy Young Award winner. As the Mets kick it off against the Miami Marlins. And we are going to break down that series. We're going to break down the Miami Marlins with my special guest, Eli Sussman of Fish Stripes. Eli's been here before. This is like his third year in a row of coming on the show. And he's always got great insight to the Miami Marlins. And he's going to take it all down for us. So, we're going to get to that in just a second, but before we do, let's take a quick break and come back with Eli. Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune in to Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now, don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a Ph.D. in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. Hello, baseball fans. You're listening to Baseball Talk Radio, the home of great baseball talk shows. At BaseballTalkRadio.com, you're going to find great shows like this one with the great Gary Mack and the Mets Musings Podcast. And now back to the show. Hello again, and with me this week is Eli Sussman. He is the managing editor of uh, Fish Stripes. He's also the host of their podcast, and he joins me. I think this is the third year in a row, Eli. How are you? Welcome back to Mets Musings. Yeah, thrilled to be on with you. Um, this is in this year in particular. I'm just so antsy for the real season to start. Uh, yeah, having gone through a full spring training, first time in a while that I've had a full length spring training, and I thought I would miss it, yeah. but then I realized why. Um, maybe it doesn't need to be quite as long in the first place. I'm already itching <laughs> to get going. <laughs> And uh, these two teams facing off an extra long opening series. There's a lot of hype, at least in Marlins circles. There's so much hype for the very start of this season. So I'm happy to dive into it with you. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of hype here, too. Everybody's excited, and, and I think they want to get it uh, uh, get it started. You know, we had a taste of it with the WBC and everything. So I think that got people hepped up for real baseball. And, uh, you know, now we're a mere, what, 48 hours away. So now it really gets exciting. Uh, the Marlins, as you said, you're, you're hyped up about it because the, the Marlins made a ton of changes in the offseason, including a new manager. Uh, Don Manningly was let go. Uh, Skip Schumacher 
was hand uh, was hired to take his place and uh, uh, a bunch of trades and some signings. Uh, uh, we can go through it a, a little bit, but first uh, talk a little bit about Mattingly departing and Schumacher coming in. This was uh, a long time coming. I would say strangely because Right in the middle of Mattingly's tenure, they had that surprising playoff run, but that came during the the shortened season, and that sort of changed the timeline in regards to what was happening there. I, I feel like they were prepared to potentially make a change a couple of years prior if um, if Mattingly hadn't done his job so well. <laughs> so that threw a wrinkle into their plans and led to an additional contract extension. We we got to this point where. Watching the Marlins last year, even though it wasn't expected to be a great team, it was evident that the team just underperformed, especially in late and close games. They lost 40 games by just one run. Um, so many games that seemed very winnable. And naturally, that is the prime situation where you second guess a manager. So it was in that situation where certainly from the fans perspective, there was some angst about it. But yeah, even in the clubhouse, I, I think he reached a point where there was some questioning as to whether or not this was the guy to optimize uh, the talent on this roster moving forward. So he was the longest tenured manager in Marlins history. There's never been somebody that has gone as long as he did. It was seven seasons in total. And I think generally there's fond, there's a lot of respect for him and the way he conducted himself until the very end. And thankfully the team allowed him to exit relatively gracefully calling it a mutual parting of ways it's good to see that he caught on with the blue jays now as their Mm -hmm. bench coach so he's staying into the game in the marlins ended up getting a first-time manager in skip schumacher uh, who in some ways he follows a trend that we've seen in baseball of of hiring uh, relatively young ones who might not even have managerial experience as skip does not have any managerial experience in professional baseball but he was the bench coach essentially for the cardinals he was the associate manager uh last season and we got a lot, a lot of experience there he's on a very different background of course and that he played so recently it's not that far removed from being a player himself he is, and he brought in much different coaching staff around him. I think that was part of this decision as well, as they felt that at various different positions on the coaching staff, they could use different voices with different approaches. Mm-hmm. So they are estimating that under this new look coaching staff, not just at the manager position, but at hitting coach, at bench coach, um, that they feel these changes will add up to um make a material difference to this team. It's it's a very short contract for Skip. I think it's only two guaranteed years and then a club option for a third year. Um, on both ends, Skip is has been very blunt about how that he's a, a little unsure as to whether or not he wants this lifestyle. And it's gonna, they're going to be feeling it out on both ends to make sure that this is a good fit. Um, but my first impressions of him are extremely positive. He's so communicative. He is um, he's very blunt and very honest. <laughs> and he is a little bit more um, fluent in analytics and making sure that his players are put into particular matchups that give them the best chance to succeed. So this is the very start of it. But I'd have to say that so far, there's no buyer's remorse about this move. Um, I, I think they feel that this is the right guy at this particular time to get a shot at this. And and do you think it's connected to, like you said, he, he's not far removed from the game and uh, it's a young team. So uh, do you think it, uh, 
that perhaps that had something to do with it. They felt the ownership felt that he would be more relatable to the team being at it so young. Well, the thing with this Marlins team these past couple of years and, and right now is it's not dramatically young. It's not quite as young as previous teams early when they started their rebuilds. They've been adding steadily via free agency. They still have Jorge Soler. They still have Avisiel Garcia, Joey Wendell, Jacob into their 30s that were on the team. They brought in Gene Segura. He's in his age 33 season. They just they just added Yuli Gurriel to their roster. He is um, he's going to be 39 years oh, old in the middle of this year. And you add it all up, even though they're. Perhaps their most impactful players, as you mentioned, are young with Sandy Alcantara, Jazz Chisholm Jr., Luis Arise, who they just acquired, all these players in their mid-20s. Um, it is it is a, a roster that is not quite in the same mold as we've seen in some recent years where they are putting more of a focus on being competitive right now. And they're bringing in these players that have this particular track record. Um so this was more so just an evaluation of Skip Schumacher as a leader and as somebody that had connections to these other coaches that they felt those coaches would be upgrades over who they previously had. So it's not, I think it is a lot to do with just feeling that this is the right guy. This was a very thorough managerial search. Um, they looked at Joe Espada, who ultimately stayed with the Astros. They looked at Matt mm-hmm. Quattuaro, who got the job with the Royals. Well, so they look at one of the other finalists. They even took a look at Luis Rojas, the former Mets manager during this process. I think he got a second interview as well. Um, that was not a popular candidate among the Marlins fan base. Uh, <laughs> they 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 were they preferred having somebody with no experience rather than somebody that had his brief and somewhat underwhelming experience. And so they winded up with um with Skip. So they are putting just a lot of faith in his individual approach. Well, I, you know, I have to say about Luis Rojas, I think, uh, you know, a couple of things happened with him. I'll just touch on this quickly. I think, I think what happened is he got run over by the front office. It, it was his first job. He was, you know, obviously you're going to be nervous. I think he got run roughshod by the front office and the players got overwhelmed with analytics. Uh, Cause they went from like, you know, not much analytics to just stuffing their head. And it, it hurt a lot of players. It hurt Michael Conforto. And and I'll argue this. Anybody can argue with me, but this is, you know, my viewpoint. Uh, and I think it hurt Luis Rojas, Luis Rojas because, as I said, everybody, you know, the rumors were that the analytic people were going over Rojas's head and over the hitting coach's head and and talking to the players and and just filling their head with they had so much stuff in their head that when it went up, you know, you just got to go up and hit. And they were going up trying to think about everything, and it just it just and and I maintain that's what hurt Michael Conforto. That's why he had an off year. McNeil, I think, was hurt by it, and uh, we see they. They hired Showalter. Showalter uses analytics, but he limits it and, you know, uses it, I think, in a wiser way. And uh, we saw the results. Uh, McNeil won the, the uh, batting championship. And 
you know, had a terrific year and uh, they won 101 games. But that, that that's enough about Luis. <laughs> I, I don't think he's a bad candidate. I just think he probably needs a l- little bit more seasoning. And unfortunately, right. that the time with the Mets is probably going to, you know, may hurt his career, like you said. But um, now, you know, talk about batting champions. Uh, the uh, Marlins traded for the American League batting title. Uh, champion last year. You got uh, Luis Arreyes and um, their offense. I'm looking at a lineup here, and, and the, the offense seems to be pretty good. It could be good. It has the potential to be very good. Yeah. Coming off a year where they were one of the worst in baseball in a variety of ways. And uh, above all else, they're, they're hoping to just stay healthy. They feel that some of the talent they had last year would have performed better if they were on the field and if they were at 100%. With Luis Rice, he's, he's coming off a career year. He's coming off, as you said, the batting title winner. And he his trick is that he just never swings and misses. He just has this amazing ability to get his bat on the ball uh, to do so, especially in those clutch situations that are even more valuable than the overall stats would suggest. This is the type of player that addresses a lot of the deficiencies that they had Last year, mm-hmm. um, no doubt about it. It's an interesting addition. He's a guy who's relatively affordable right now. And the question that I had immediately when they acquired him is whether they would con- uh, consider an extension. He has a lot in common with somebody like Jeff McNeil. When I actually saw that the Mets extended McNeil for, I think it was four years with an option mm-hmm. for a fifth year. Yeah. Uh, I am curious in the near future, whether that's somewhat of a template for what Arise would get to stay with the Marlins even longer than he currently is. So it was a big trade, and it was one that even though everybody understands what he brings in return, they did give up a lot to get him. They gave up not only Pablo Lopez, but also a couple of their very interesting young hitting prospects in that deal as well. So in the moment, it felt like somewhat of an overpay. Um, The bottom line is that if Arise performs the way that he did last year moving forward, then it is going to make such a considerable difference for this team that already felt pretty confident in their starting rotation situation. So they feel like this fit could not be any better. He brings so much energy off the field as well. And in the clubhouse, extremely well-liked. He's done one of these spring training games where they had him mic'd up during the game and he showed more of his personality there. It's it's a really positive first impression. Even during the World Baseball Classic, they played games in the Marlins' home ballpark of Lone Depot Park. And Arise, he's known for just hitting singles everywhere that everywhere on the field, but he had a multi home run game for Venezuela. The first uh, a, a kind of performance that he hadn't shown at any level of professional baseball before having two homers in the same game. And that <laughs> all of a sudden had people dreaming about, wow, maybe he's due for a power breakout as somebody who has never hit more than eight home runs in the season. Maybe all of a sudden it wouldn't be crazy for a 26 year old to all of a sudden break out in that department as well. Uh, I understand the deal, and um, they are yeah putting a lot of faith in him to at least be the player that he has been. And uh, if he does, then that just raises the floor of this whole team. They're not going to have the kind of offensive droughts that they had last year as long as he stays healthy. Right. And, and another guy that you need, I think, is one of the keys in your lineup before your team that's got to stay healthy and that's that's been a problem is Jazz Chisholm. Uh, I, I mean, this guy is exciting to watch. Uh, he's an electric personality, but he's got to stay on the field. 
he does uh, to this point, believes he's fully healthy. But then again, it was really at this time a full year ago that he hurt his meniscus and nobody knew about it. He played through it for the first few months of the year at an all-star level. And then ultimately what ended his season last year was a back injury. You don't know exactly if those two were related. Any way you look at it, though, there's a big question about whether it is that he could put together a full season because he had injury issues, minor ones in 2021 as well. And this is a player that his his skills speak for themselves. He has the potential to impact the game in so many ways, especially as a power hitter and as a base runner. He's somebody that the Marlins would like to build around for many years to come, but they have not really gotten that far in contract extension terms because the most important thing is that availability part of it. He he's a player that um, to this point, it, it, nobody is going to totally trust him until he goes out and shows it. And he yeah, takes that yeah. to heart as well. It was just uh, the other day on Twitter that he said that he is going to play 155 games this year and that he has all the all the messages saved from people criticizing him and doubting him. And he's <laughs> going to look back at that. He, he definitely knows what the criticism is of him. He knows what the public is saying. Um, so that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. That may distract you from what you should be focusing on as a baseball player. Yeah. Well, overall, yeah. he's he's extremely well-liked. The big twist this year is that they're moving him from the middle infield to center field. He's never played any center field. I was a little bit skeptical of this working out just because you don't see it too much in history. Somebody go become a full-time outfielder when they've never played the outfield before at any level. Spring training was pretty rough for him. I'd say there was more negative than positive in terms of his defensive plays, his decision-making out there, just getting a read on the ball, being able to um, make accurate throws, um, in addition to questions about his arm strength. Uh, a best-case scenario is that you hope he's close to an average defender out there, but it's not going to be a strength of his game. They're going to lose a little bit in that regard for a team that this has been a big void on their roster now going back a year and a half. They just haven't had a center fielder, and he could potentially fill that. Um but it is a curious decision. This is not a decision that most other teams would make. Most teams would leave the player where he's comfortable playing um, if he's a star player and then worry about the other spots. So they took a really unusual approach here. And uh, I don't think anybody knows exactly how it's going to play out. That's what most people are focused on. It's how he performs on that side of right. the ball, hoping that he doesn't do anything silly out there or ill-advised that leads to another injury. <laughs> well, hopefully his his speed will help him to at least, you know, uh, get near the ball <laughs> and then right. he's got to be able to catch it. But, uh, yeah, it's tough. You know, the, the Mets almost had the same situation, but they were able to, to hold on to Brandon Nimmo. Um, we would have been in a big boat too. Had, had he left, uh, because, you know, we would have lost our leadoff hitter and our center fielder. And he's considered now to be one of the top center fielders in baseball. He's really worked his way into that and made himself that. So maybe, you know, uh, maybe with a little bit more experience for jazz and uh, you know, he can turn it around. He certainly has the speed. I I don't know about his arm. You see him more than I do. He, he always looked like he had a pretty good arm from, from second, but it's completely different throwing uh, motion and throw uh, from center field. But um you know he's athletic enough. the The whole key, as you said, is is staying healthy, and that's it's been tough for him. Uh, you, you guys also acquired Gene Segura, 
he's going to play third base and and that's kind of a new position for him too isn't it i mean he came up as a shortstop uh but the last few years he's been playing a lot of second base uh, with the phillies i believe and um how did he look in spring training playing third base? It, thankfully, compared to Jazz, he is a veteran <laughs> at third base because he at least had a little sample of his position back in 2020 with the Phillies. He he split time between second and third that year. Outside of that, as you mentioned, um, he has not played that position early in his career. He was a shortstop. In recent years, he's been at second base. What has stood out, um, even when he was a second baseman, is that the arm strength is there for him to play third base it's just about his his reaction time when the ball is getting to you quicker when you're positioned closer mm-hmm. to home plate. Um, and there have been a couple instances this spring where you've seen the accuracy of that arm be a little suspect. The strength is fine, but the accuracy perhaps um, not so much. It's It takes a little bit of an adjustment. Um, in his case, the reason why they brought him in and trying to fit this square peg into a round hole is because they like what he does offensively. He's a really consistent hitter, like somebody, not to the same extent as a rise, but similarly, he just puts his bat on the ball. He uses the entire field. Even when in the old days, when shifts were allowed, opponents would not shift him because he can use all parts of the field and there's not much a defense can do about it. They trust him to get those hits and get on base he is um he's a very he's he's a short man, but he's very solidly built. And you'd have to think actually one thing that I do believe their hitting coach Brent Brown has talked about this spring is finding a way to get the ball in the air more for Gene Segura because last year he was among the league leaders in hitting the ball on the grounds, hit into a lot of double plays, and they think that there is actually a decent amount of power in there. So they're making some adjustments to his swing and seeing if they can unlock a little bit more of that to um, you know, to make him more valuable. So it's not only singles. There's some extra base mm-hmm. hits. It's a uh, it's a two-year deal for him. And I think there's a scenario, depending on what happens to the other players on the roster, maybe he moves to second base next year when it makes more sense. These are pieces that I think for this year, pe- people understand this is not a uh, this is not an ideal defensive situation that they're going to be open <laughs> to adjustments as things go on. Um during the season and certainly beyond this year. I don't think this alignment will look exactly the same way moving forward. In the meantime, they're just trying to get as much offense on the field at one time because that was such an issue last year. And and we know that the, the starting pitching is really the strength of the uh uh of this this team, the rotation, uh led by uh, Sandy Alcantara and uh you added a veteran this year in Johnny Cueto. The this is the first time in a long time that they've actually spent money on a veteran starting pitcher in free agency. They take so much pride, the Marlins, in developing so many young starters, one after the other after the other. And they realize that um, you know, it really helps to have somebody in there that has experience at least throwing a lot of innings and somebody that is smart on the mound is a really clever pitcher and gets the most out of his stuff at this stage of his career. Cueto is certainly past his prime here at age 37. He, he he gets by by being unpredictable with both his pitch mix and with his delivery. You never know what pitch is coming. You don't know exactly when it's coming because, and he's coming off a good year with the White Sox. He gave them work deep into his starts with them averaging about six innings to start. He, um, 
but he relied so much on his defense behind him. He just isn't missing bats much at this stage of his career. And I think that's reflected in the way that his free agency played out. He had to wait pretty deep into January to get this deal from the Marlins. And it's only one guaranteed year and is a club option for next year um, at a price eight and a half million guaranteed, where it shows you that they're not expecting quite the same performance as a year ago. They're expecting a little bit of a come down from where he previously was. Um, if spring training is any indication, that's probably pretty fair. He um he got hit around really hard in his couple of spring training starts. Um, I think an ERA north of 20 in the Grapefruit <laughs> League this year. Uh, the, I, the, I guess the bright side is that he has a history of sometimes not worrying about his results in spring. And he has such a deep pitch mix. He is so unpredictable with what he's going to throw and when he's going to throw it because of the way that he changes his delivery uh, at times, does the shimmy, holds the ball as long as he needs to to confuse the hitter. He does these little things that you hope he could pass along to the younger pitchers on this team as well, some lessons, some uh, intangibles that they can add to their game to reach the heights that he reached early in his career when he was one of the better pitchers in the National League. I, there is a scenario where if the team is out of it uh, and he is doing all right, he could be a trade candidate. It's only this one year guaranteed, but they just feel as important as that veteran stopgap until a few more of their young pitchers are ready. They needed to add a little bit more depth. Um, if all goes well, it's a, it's a really terrific rotation, but in case they have some injury issues, you can never really have too much starting pitching. And so I'm actually pretty satisfied with the fact that they were willing to go outside the organization, spend more money than they're used to in order to just give them an extra arm in there. And, and I think the big key uh, you mentioned too, is, is the, uh, the veteran leadership. I think that's, that's probably why it is a very young pitching staff. You got three guys, I think that are like 24 years old or something in there. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, you need sometimes for that, that older guy to come in and settle that down. And, um, maybe by watching his work ethic and stuff that, you know, it'll help them. So, uh, it, you know, it, it's probably not a bad move. Um, the bullpen was not so good last year and, uh, they've made an effort to, uh, to rebuild that and to add like, like, Every other team in baseball, I think, every year rebuilds their bullpen. Bullpen. Uh, talk a little bit about that. It, it was not a great bullpen a year ago. They had one standout reliever last year, which was Anthony Bass. He had the best year of his career, and he's one of the few guys that they didn't bring back. They traded him at the deadline last year, which left them in this even messier situation. This goes back to the new manager in Skip in that he seems to have a different approach than Don Mattingly did. Don Mattingly really needed to have a set closer at any particular time. So it was, it actually wasn't Anthony Bass last year. It was a lot of Tanner Scott, Dylan Floro, and uh, I think there was a stretch with even Anthony Bender. Um, who has a lot of promise, but he is out this year with Tommy John surgery. When it comes to the skip, he's willing to play guys in whatever matchup makes the most sense. He doesn't have a set closer entering the season. Uh, he plans to use a couple of the players returning from last year in Floro and in Scott. But the new additions, they traded for A.J. Puck from the Oakland A's. They traded for Matt Barnes from the Boston Red Sox. So both of them, they're hoping, will be part of that late-ending situation. They both have a history of missing more bats. That was something else that this pen was also lacking, is the few guys they had that actually got strikeouts 
They also handed out way too many walks and just put themselves in situations where one big hit could totally flip around the game. And they have somebody, particularly in A.J. Puck, he's coming off the best year of his career, the only healthy year of his career. If he could repeat what he did, then they feel that he's going to be a pretty big difference in uh, in that regard. So this is actually the only part of the team where they have a few injuries. Uh, entering the year, one of their setup men last year, Stephen Okert, he's going to be on the IL for at least the next week or two. Um, and one of their middle relievers, Tommy Nance, who was pitching pretty well to end the year, he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. Um, that being said, at least all their new additions are coming in healthy in this situation. And yeah, overall, um, it's not a sexy group. Um, you would think that if they had one standout reliever, they'd be willing to name a permanent closer. When you have a closer by committee, it's a polite way of saying that there's not one guy they really trust in any situation. They feel like by necessity, they have to play matchups with this. The hope is that it's going to be a slightly above average bullpen um, for a team that we once again think will play a lot of close games. And so many of those went the wrong way last year. So just having a little bit of an improvement that flips around, that makes a pretty significant difference to your team um, if they're going to be in that situation again. And, and of course, their farm system is uh, been very good the last few years. And um, they seem to have guys at the top ready to go. Any of the top prospects do you think that we will see in this season that that's going to make their debut? The one that stands out is everybody agrees on this guy being the top one in the organization right now, Yuri Perez. So he's a right-handed pitcher who, at the, as we're talking, he's still just a teenager, 19 years old, but he yeah, is on the verge <laughs> of getting there to the majors. He made he was with the big leaguers in spring training. He checks almost all the boxes you want out of a starting pitcher. He is learning from the best. He is learning from Sandy Alcantara. They have developed a close friendship. They train together and they do a lot of the same things. This guy has that a hundred mile per hour fastball when he needs it. He has a couple breaking balls that get swings and misses. He has his changeup might be his best secondary pitch. He has a lot of pitches he's willing to go to. And, you know, most important is that he throws strikes. He's not afraid to challenge hitters. He's been playing against much older competition every step up on the minor league ladder. And every time he, he, if he gets into trouble, it's because he's throwing too many pitches in the zone and gets hit, Mm. but he's not going to hurt himself in those situations, a mature pitcher. And uh, the biggest detail of all is that he is six foot eight. He is as big as anybody on the field. And that what makes it so uncommon is somebody that size with limbs that long being able to actually repeat your delivery. That's what makes him a special pitching prospect. He's, um, He's one of the better prospects they've had in, in recent memory. They got so much credit goes to the player and the organization for developing him. He was not seen as a slam dunk star prospect when they signed him out of the Dominican Republic four years ago. He has he's literally grown. He wasn't six foot eight at the time, too. He's gone taller, he's gone stronger. He has just developed even better than anybody could have dreamed. He's not going to be on the opening day roster. He's going to be a triple A, but they expect to see him by the middle of the season. Um, and hopefully for the majority of the year, he's up in the big leagues. So the question with any of these young pitchers is how do you manage their innings? Um, like he's not, he hasn't been through anything close to a full season yet. He missed right. a little bit of time last year with some arm fatigue. It'll be a limited sample that we see him in the big leagues. The hope is that, Maybe he makes 10 or 15 starts at the big leagues 
later this year. Once he's ready, I don't think they're going to have a very tricky decision. It's a great problem to have is to when he's ready, where to put him in the rotation, uh, considering that they have guys that they already like at the big league level. He's the one that stands out. And um, yeah, besides him, they have a few infielders that are already on the 40 man roster who will come up and down Jordan Groshans, who they traded for at last deadline over the off season. They got, um, most notably, Jacob Amaya from the Dodgers. They traded their longtime shortstop Miguel Rojas to the, to the Dodgers, and they got Amaya in return. They feel like Amaya is just a, a younger version of him, uh, a great mm-hmm. defender who can stick at shortstop, and they feel he has a little bit more hitting potential than even Miguel Rojas It does, that if things mm-hmm. go right, he could actually be their everyday solution right there. I would there expect to go. see Jacob Amaya as well. Um for the majority of the year, uh, the question is whether they can find an everyday spot for him or whether it's more of a platoon situation. They are expecting some pretty big things for him because they liked Miguel Rojas um, and Miguel Rojas liked playing the Mets. I remember that for sure. I mean, <laughs> yes. it's <some> memorable <laughs> games against them. They So it shows what they think of this young guy that they were willing to make that trade with the Dodgers. Well, it's going to be an interesting kickoff to the season. It's going to be an interesting year, I think, Eli. Uh this is probably one of the best divisions in baseball between the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, and the Marlins, and and the Nationals are going to be improved a little bit. So uh, it's going to be a tough year. Any predictions at all? Wild card? I'm not willing to go that far. This team, <laughs> they, they love to be in that position. There is This is a no-excuses season for this team. Um, the past couple of years, they've lost more than 90 games. Um, but this time, for the most part, uh, with the exception of a few relievers, they come into this year very healthy. They have, uh, even compared to a team like the Mets, even the, the Marlins have been lucky coming out of spring training. They feel like they have their team at close to full strength. There is a lot of the, the fans are getting restless with the way this team has performed the last couple of years. And you got to give some credit to their ownership for spending more money on this team than they're accustomed to spending to bring in those hitters that we talked about and those relievers as well. So they right. feel this team should be improved. I do expect them to be much improved compared to last year. Um, they're, they're going to flirt with 500. That's for sure. And I think the goal is just to still be in the race when it comes to trade deadline time. They don't want to be full-on sellers. They don't want to be dreading the last couple of months of the year and worrying about what comes next for these players. They want to feel like this is a leap forward. And then maybe in 2024, that's the year where they arrive as a contender. This is supposed to be that incremental step forward that they need to take to put together what would be the best full-season team that they've had in a while. Uh, my best guess, I have them at around 78 wins a little bit under 500 and things could go better. If one of these young pitchers really breaks out and becomes a Robin to Sandy's Batman, if these uh, veteran (laughs) hitters perform as advertised, you touched on it. uh, Staying healthy for jazz Chisholm jr. Is going to be huge because he was on pace to be maybe the best Mm -hmm. second baseman in baseball last year. And now he's in a position where he wants to establish himself as one of the best center fielders in baseball. He could potentially do it, but he needs to stay healthy continue getting experience, um, learn some consistency. Uh, everybody is rooting for him to like be the centerpiece of this team. But and, and as long as he's on the field, he has a chance to do that. Well, we're going to get cut off here in uh, less than a minute. So uh, I want to thank you, Eli, for uh, joining me this uh, uh, uh 
opening day special, you might call it. Uh, uh, and going to be a great series. Kicks off with Scherzer against Alcantara. That should be a doozy. And uh, watch, it'll be like a, a 12 to 10 game or something. We, you know, we're all expecting a pitching tool. So uh, it's fish stripes. Eli Sussman. Eli, thank you again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Appreciate you, Gary. Thank you. All right. And I'll be right back. Enjoyed that interview with Eli Sussman. He really broke down the Marlins pretty well for us, so we'll know what to expect going into opening day. First four games of the season's Mets, Marlins. I think we're going to see, well, we know he's going to see Scherzer to open it up, then probably Peterson, Verlander, and Senga will be the four pitchers against the Marlins. Uh, fifth pitcher, who knows? Gonna be Carrasco, probably. And uh, McGill got sent down, so we won't see him for a while, but uh, we'll see him before the season ends. All right. Uh, if you like what you heard, please consider donating to the show at paypal.com. Uh, slash Mets Musings. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and the like bell. That will uh, let you know when a new episode is coming out, and then and it's good for the analytics of the show. Uh, so the people at YouTube like that, and so do I. And don't forget, we have an audio version as well, and you can get that on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you get your podcast feed from. Mets Musings is there, so please take a listen and tell your friends and family and fellow Mets fans to tune in to Mets Musings so you can get the breakdowns of the teams coming in and uh, uh, all kinds of interesting, Get keep up to date with all the news and happenings around the New York Mets. So that's going to do it for this week's show. So until next time, remember, keep the faith. Stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. And I'll see you next time on another edition of Mets Musings.